But why don't I pray as we start? Our Father, we uh, we thank you for your word. We want to um, we want to sit under your word, and we want to apply your word to all of the um, complicated things of our lives. We pray that you give us wisdom as we talk and uh, apply in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, can I just say some things, just by way of uh, some books? If uh, some might be interested in books to follow up last week and this week, so to follow up tonight, uh, "Working Without Wilting" is a great book by Jago Wynn. That'll be on the bookstall. "Working Without Wilting." Uh, Thank God it's Monday by Michael uh, Green. Be on Amazon. I'd have thought that's great, isn't it? Um, it's a good book. Um, the meaning of uh, for last week, "The Meaning of Marriage" by Tim Keller is very helpful. It's got some helpful sections on. Um, uh, marriage, singleness, um, and kind of where our culture is a, a bit on that. And then Different by Design by Carrie Sandham, who used to be here. It's on the bookstall as well. If that's a question that people want to ask. So um, that's just by way of notices. Um, I think by way of uh, things, especially just to, to add in from... Uh, it's funny when you preach immediately afterwards, you think, oh, I should have mentioned that, should have, sort of this. Uh, let me just say something for, uh, for those who aren't... Uh, employed or in work at the moment and that's one of the, the questions that's here what do we what do we do there the, f- the first is to say uh, for those of you who, who aren't in work at the moment who are unemployed that 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 will be a particularly that is a particularly hard experience and the bible says that that will be the case because we are we're made to work it's wired into who we are in creation genesis 2 so if that's what you're going through at the moment and you're finding it hard the bible says that Bible understands that that is that is the case. Um, practically, what can you do during that period apart from seeking to look for work and uh, seeking the encouragement of the, the church family in practical ways as you as you do that? One thing would be to um, to try and find a bit of work that isn't your work while you're unemployed. In other words, to find a job that's not your job to keep you busy while you're not working, because that is a particularly hard time. And talking to others here about things that they've done in that period would be helpful. So if you're in that situation, come and talk to me or others who you know about how to handle that, that very hard experience of being out of work. Um, some questions on, uh, so that was a question on how does tonight's sermon apply to the unemployed. Um, uh, quite a few questions on, on workload. Uh, so how do we balance commitments to our family with unreasonable hectic work schedules and deadlines imposed on you from your boss? It seems the only option is to let one, at least one, down. Isn't failing on either one letting God down and being a bad witness? That's a good uh, good question. Similar one, uh, if you're working in a team where the workload is heavy, how do you get the balance right between being godly, hardworking, self-sacrificial and pulling too much of other people's weight and running yourself to the ground. They're sort of um, they're sort of connected. On the first, uh, what does the Bible say about our different responsibilities in different areas? So biblically, we're called to three, three main areas of responsibility. So we're called to responsibilities uh, in the church family, uh, in our uh, at home and at work. Those are the three areas biblically that that we're that we're given. And the Christian is called to seek to serve the Lord in all of those. And doing that is uh, is complicated. And can people hear that? 
And, uh, and so we're not, we're not failing the Lord that we are constantly seeking to readjust uh, those and, uh, and realize that at the moment, in a particular season, we've just been overdoing it in that area and we need to address the other responsibilities that we have. I think that will be our normal experience, that we have those three areas and we seek to serve the Lord faithfully in each of those. And we need those around us who will say, look, it seems to me that in this area at the moment, uh, uh, home has just slipped off your screen and you need to address that. We need other people who know our lives well enough and know the biblical principles to keep us to that. In terms of um, uh, the balance on being godly, hardworking and sacrificial and pulling too much of other people's weight and running yourself into the ground. I would assume on the, on the second of those, those are, those are conversations in your team that you need to have with those uh, above you. And it, it's just worth saying that that, that, is, that is a reasonable thing for Christians to feel. So we, we maybe feel guilty. Those aren't the sorts of things that we should do. We know, we understand that Jesus calls us to serve. And so we serve other people and that is right. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't say to those over us, look, I think this is unreasonable. Um, and people in your profession may be able to particularly speak about how that is. But I, I guess I just want to say that on that. Matt, do you want to come in or anyone on that? I agree wholeheartedly. Of course, you have a responsibility to others as well. So you're a team of five, two are, two are slackers, and you're picking up their, their weight. You have a responsibility to the other hard workers and you have a responsibility to the management to say, these guys are not pulling their weight. We need to, we need to help them. We need to help them. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a boss and you've got someone who's slack on your team and you've encouraged them and you've tried to give them help but they're still really slack, you fire them because you need to love the other team members. So you, do you see... The, sorry, that's a bit brutal, wasn't it? But... Um, and tonight... <laughs> uh, Uh, all, all I'm saying in that is it, there's more than one relationship going on. There's normally a, n- a number of relationships. And to honor your boss, you may need to uh, bring someone to account who's slack. Uh, so it relates to that. If, if you're serving your earth, earthly master at all times, should we do whatever our boss tells us to do, even if it is stupid, pointless, could be done much better or another way? <laughs> That's coming from a heartfelt uh, place. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Actually, I've got to, I've got to go now, so I'm over to, no. <laughs> Assuming it's not unethical or just uh, stupid, uh, is it right or fair for our masters to ask us to do this? Uh, so I think that's related to that. So for the good, so for example, stupid and pointless stuff that could be done much a much better way. That is not going to be good for the for the team, for the others on your team, for the sake of the business. And um, that's what you're involved in. If if you don't say that this is pointless, stupid, could be done in a much, a much better way. Now, how you do that um, and the attitude in which you do that is is part of the answer to that question. And so you want to bring in the rest of Colossians on, uh, on our attitude, um, on seeking to honor the Lord, on, on having a spirit of submission to those over us, even when we're saying to them, look, this doesn't seem the best way to do that. So again, it's not... Do you see working these things out? We're called to serve. Absolutely right. Uh, that doesn't mean, or we, we mustn't hear that to say, therefore, we shouldn't ever try and do anything better in our workplaces or seek to 
um, promote good practice or those sorts of things. Uh, when I work to meet the targets my boss sets, not to cut corners but work my hardest, I find other areas of my life suffer, like commitments to church, friends or my marriage. What practical tips are there for saying no to work in a godly way? Uh, we kind of, I guess we've said something on that. Practical tips for saying no to work in a godly way. Um, I mean, I can, think of, I can think of a guy here a couple, last year, a couple of years ago, who was, uh, things were very was trying to balance these three areas of priority, was trying to serve at church, um, had a very busy uh, job, would sometimes uh, come here to lead a Bible study, uh, go back to work so that he could um, so that he could serve in those areas. I don't know how, practically how you do that. Matt, do you want to say anything on that? Practical tips we're looking for. One, I think you've got to know how urgent something is. Um, so uh, I take some, t- you know, to, to caricature. Sometimes there's a piece of work that's going to happen that night, or it's, it's, it, the deal is going to go through bizarrely at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, and so you have to be in the office all day Sunday, and you, it, and that's it. The deal goes through at six o'clock, and everyone is there, and you probably just have got to be there. Sometimes the deal is going through, whatever, let's make it simpler. Sometimes the deal is going through at 10 o'clock, and you've just got to be there that night. There's just no way you can leave, because so much is riding on it, and that's how it is. On other occasions, uh, people would like you to stay, uh, and they'll tut at you if you don't, but you could leave. Uh, Third scenario, you're so into a pattern of never leaving and always staying whenever you could stay, that you just by default stay and never leave to get to a Bible study, prayer meeting, whatever it is. Now, obviously, there are levels in between, but let's just run with those three levels. Level one, you've just, you've just got to be there. That's, you know, if you're in the sort of job that has those sort of demands and deadlines, you've just got to be there. That's how it is, or you leave. Uh, the second one, you'll get tut-tut if you leave, but you could do. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, I would imagine. Um, and... Uh, and the third, well, that's just a pattern of your own life you've got into. So practically, what does that mean? Um, uh, it, it means that you're, you're known as that, um, that you can say, hey, look, you know, if I need to be here, I'm here. Tonight, I need to be elsewhere. I'll, ma- I'll make it up tomorrow morning, or I'll bring it in, you know, or next time I'm in, or remember last time we had this scenario, I stayed. This time, uh, I, I'm, I'm off. So... Yeah, I mean, practically, to, you can't always walk out. <laughs> you just can't. That's just unrealistic in a modern world. Um, but not every situation and not every night when you're asked to stay is the same. Balance is hard, isn't it? I need a balance between these three arenas of my life. I don't think you get balance in any particular day. I don't think you get balance in any particular week. You might get balance in a month. You've got to have balance over a year. Um, and so on. So, so there are seasons in most jobs when you work very, very hard, um, and you work through the night, and you, you know, to the to the point of uh, it's slightly unhealthy. Uh, most professional jobs have that element to them at points, but if that's a hundred percent of the time, you're in real trouble. If that's for ten percent of the time, and you, you know, then okay, you get some decent family time over here. Balance. Someone has it. I don't know who's got it this week. Um, someone's got it. Who's it you? 
uh, let's just do one more on work and then we'll go to, to marriage. So um, uh, I think this question says, what form does working for the Lord take, serving others, being Christ-like, etc.? Uh, um, talk to me if that, uh, if if you'd like to on this. Uh, so what does the Bible say about things that we're doing? What, uh, what we do matters, why we do it. Uh, how we do it. All of those things matter. So what form does working for the Lord take? Well, we don't want to ask questions about what sort of stuff am I called to do? What sort of stuff am am I being asked to do? Is it stuff that I can honor the Lord in? Why am I uh, doing it? Um, How do I do it? Uh, Hard to be specific on that, but come and ask on that. Questions on marriage. We turn to now. You've got a couple there, one on Colossians 2. Um, That's called a hospital pass. Um, If... uh, Colossians call for wives to submit to their husbands and slaves to obey their masters. Why is there no call on men to submit to and obey the Lord? Um, I think there, I think there is implicitly in, in Colossians. Um, whatever you do, work, work at it. Uh, whether, sorry, verse 17, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, husbands are called to account in, in Ephesians under uh, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah, I'd argue that uh, there is a call to men, uh, males, to submit to and obey the Lord. And part of that is in the way that they love for uh, love and protect their uh, their wives. Do you want to, anyone coming on that? So, classic media, uh, uh, like a Hebrews 13, everyone is called to submit. So submission is for all Christians to different groups. Okay. Now we've got some uh, another question on marriage there, and then a couple on Colossians two from your sermon a couple of weeks ago. Is that okay? Uh, in Colossians three nineteen, don't take the Bible. What are you doing? Um, the, um, have we done that one? In oh, Colossians yeah. three nineteen, it says husbands should love their wives. Nowhere in the Bible it seems to say that a wife should love her husband. Other than the general passages about love, I, 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 uh, this may be a. I think it's a serious question, actually. Does it mean that a woman does not necessarily have to love the man in order to get married? Well, of course, you could just simply say, "That's fine." Biblically, you could just. Close your eyes, blindfold yourself, find someone of the opposite sex and say, let's get married. And you could do that. Uh, uh, oh, well, I don't, think I'll, I don't think I love you very much. Well, let's crack on and see what happens. You could do that. But don't do that. Um, that's, not very, that's just not wise. Uh, so, of course, the, the, the commands are not quite reciprocal because the husbands are generally told to sacrificially love and the wives are more commonly told to respect. Now, that does suggest there's something a bit different about men and women. Um, and just, I mean, this is anecdotal in one sense, but uh, wives, if you say to your husband, I love you, that's nice. If you say to your husbands, I respect you, you know, we, we like that. So there's something in, there's something in the fact that we, we do, you know, we have different buttons that get pushed in different ways, and uh, so that there's something in that. But do you, so... Could you marry someone that you don't love and think, well, I don't, not really very committed to them, but uh, I'll give it a go and, and um, we'll just crack on. Well, 
Biblically, you'd have to respect them. And in one sense, why? You know, if you're going to marry, marry is, marriage is for life. Make life easier for yourself. Don't find the person you like least and think, well, here's a challenge to God to sanctify me. I'm going to marry this obnoxious person and it'll teach me godliness. You could do that, but don't do that. That's just not wise. So marry someone you will find it easier to respect and love. Um, yeah. I've given that an answer. It may have been a joke. I don't know. But I think it was probably a serious question. What were the other ones, Matt, about? Um, oh, yes. Colossians, in light of Paul's antagonism for outward religion and rules, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 20, what place is there to take routine in the Christian life, such as daily quiet times, as seriously? All too often, it can look and feel like exactly the sort of rules that Paul warns against. Okay. So Colossians 2, verse 20, <clears throat> Since you die with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? These are all destined to perish with use. They're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So if your daily quiet times are born out of false humility, harsh treatment of the body, and self-imposed worship. They may well indeed have no value in restraining sexual, sensual indulgence. But what says the, the rule of thumb is, if someone imposes a rule upon you and says, to be a Christian, you have to read your Bible for an hour every morning, that, that is unhelpful if someone imposes that upon you. Generally, if you impose good biblical wisdom upon yourself, that's going to be helpful. So how does the Bible expect us to be transformed? It is by God's Spirit who works through his words to transform us. God's words change us. So if we want to be changed, it is wise to spend time in God's word, as we heard again this evening, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That'll transform us. So we need to get the word of Christ into us. Um, now, how you do that, of course, you, will vary from person to person. So I will never stand up here and say, you must have an hour in the Bible seven days a week. But of course, anyone up you know, is going to encourage you, if you want to grow as a Christian, you do need to spend time with your Lord, both reading what he says to you and praying to him. You've got to do that, and you've got to work out a way that works for you. I'm not going to tell you, the rules on that or impose anything but that is a biblical means of grace that is how the bible says we will be transformed um, so that does have enormous value in restraining sensual indulgence it changes us um, so anyone imposing rules externally that's probably not going to help non-biblical rules well they may be helpful they may not be but do what the Bible says. You've got, to, you've got to pray, and you've got to spend time in his word, because those are the things that change us. Um, I feel I'm, I could have been more succinct there. Anyone want to come back on that? Um, 
going by Colossians 2.8 and 16-19, hollow and deceptive philosophy and details about special festivals and supposed spiritual experiences, can you apply the same principles when considering the books of the Apocrypha? Uh, more specifically, books of uh, Barak, Wisdom, Science. Uh, when people ask about these or go into detail about these. Yes, uh, there's a reason the apocryphal books are not in the Bible, because they're not divinely inspired, and the church has never viewed them as such. So they're much like, in one sense, reading a, a biography. can be encouraging at points. And at the points where you read a somewhat a biography of a Christian, you think, nah, that's a bit doolally, you just discount it. And there are one or two bits of the apocrypha, you think, nah, that's a bit doolally, so you discount them. But they're, they're useful and encouraging, like a Christian biography of reading John Stott would be, or something like that. Um, but yeah, they do have some quirky bits, and they're not scripture, so you, you can ignore them and just say, well, that's not inspired, and they got that wrong. Oh, well. Yeah, great. Yeah, good. Okay, uh, one last question. Um, how do I know where my life is meant to lead? How do I find uh, peace when this stage of my life seems transient and I don't know where the future leads? Is there forgiveness and a new start? Uh, Colossians 3 is, is great, it's help, really helpful. Uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So I guess all of us would feel the thrust of that question at some some uh, stage, wouldn't we? What does Colossians say? Well, let the words dwell in you richly. Stay amongst uh, God's people. Remember we heard that um, Christian growth is not an individual project, but it's something we do together. We grow, we sharpen one another, we forgive one another, we bear with each other, we grow. Uh, we seek to serve the Lord tonight. Serve the Lord, whatever you do. I guess we just we just keep going that, and we keep doing that. We don't know where our lives will lead. Ultimately, of course, we do. We have the security of heaven ahead, but um, we go on together. We serve the Lord, and uh, one day we'll look back and see what God did with all of our lives and our church family together and how He used us. So maybe that's a good point for us um, to finish. Let me uh, let me pray. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Father, you know that we, uh, we leave here and um, very quickly we may sense some of the um, anxieties which um, tempt us to uh, overwork or get things out of balance. Um, some of the temptations we face to do things that would dishonor you in, in practice or in the way that we treat people. And so we ask again that you would uh, lift our eyes, remind us that uh, you are our Lord in heaven, that you provide uh, for us what is right and fair, that you are a generous and a loving Master and Lord. And so we pray, please give us that uh, heavenly perspective as we serve you in the places that you've called us to tomorrow. In Jesus' name. Amen.